Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are joined by Congressman Jim McGovern. Congressman, I'd like to share with you a couple sentences from the story in this morning's New York Times. GOP, GOP turns up heat on Biden on immigration. House Republicans threatened on Wednesday to starve the entire federal government of funding if President Biden and Democrats fail to institute a crackdown at the U.S.-Mexico border to choke off the flow of migrants streaming into the country. The warning came as Speaker Mike Johnson led a visit by more than 60 House Republicans to Eagle Pass, Texas, to raise pressure on the president. The visit comes two weeks before the first of two deadlines to fund the government. The threat is potentially a potent one, coming as Congress faces back-to-back -back deadlines to fund the federal government on January 19th and February 2nd. Congressman McGovern, tell us the status, if you could, of these negotiations and what the prospects are for a resolution of this, well, impending crisis. Yeah, well, here's the deal. House Republicans are not interested in a solution. I mean, they're interested in, in basically, you know, having a political talking point. Uh, I mean, because if they were interested in a solution, uh, they would be joining Republicans and Democrats in the Senate right now, uh, trying to figure out uh, a way forward. I mean, we're told that Republicans and Democrats in the Senate are actually trying to come up with a, a deal that could pass the Senate. Uh, yet we're being told that whatever the Senate passes, and we have no idea what it is, um, might not even be scheduled in the House. So, look, at the end of the day, we, we need to figure out you know, how we solve some of the challenges we face. President Biden talked about increasing border security. I mean, certainly we all can agree on that, I hope. He talked about accelerating <laughs> the, uh, the uh, timetable in, in which people can have their asylum claims um, uh, you know, decided on. That, that's a that's something we should all be able to agree on. He's talked about providing more assistance to states uh, to deal with the uh, migrants who have been settled in various states across the country. I think we would all think that that's a a, a good thing. Um, and he's talked about accelerating work authorization for people. You know, I've I've been home the last couple of weeks and talked to businesses from you know one end of my district to the other. Everybody's looking for uh, for employees. Uh, you, know, you know, certainly we all can agree that it's better for people who are here to be able to work uh, and not have to be in shelters um, and be able to work and be able to support their own families. So those are some of the things that uh, the president has put on the table. Those are some of the things that they're talking about in the Senate. Those are they don't solve the whole problem, uh, but they certainly move us in, in the right direction. And yet we have House Republicans uh, you know, going to the southern border, demagoguing the issue. We have Donald Trump saying his um, his uh, solution to immig uh, in terms of immigration reform is to deport everybody who's here, no matter what their circumstances may be. That's none of that is very none of that is serious. It's all about demagoguing the issue. Uh, but we got to be focused on how you solve it. And so, in answer to your question, I don't know what's going to happen next week. We go back next week, um, and the idea that you would shut down the entire federal government. Uh, because you you you, think you don't get your way entirely on on uh, on uh, on the border issue is, is is insane. It's nuts. It is. There is, however, a uh, sentence in today's Times story that really caught my attention. I want to share it with you. It says, "Members of Congress have failed for decades to come together on immigration policy." 
one of the thorniest and most politically fraught issues they have faced. And the Speaker has repeatedly signaled that House Republicans will only accept an agreement that reflects their own hardline bill, meaning that any bipartisan no. deal struck in the Senate could still collapse in the other right. chamber. It is a fraught issue. Republicans and Democrats, although they came close years ago to a grand bargain on immigration, uh, never passed, didn't, didn't, did not make it into the uh, law books, did not make it into our country's policy. It's been decades of, in, of, of impossibility of resolving immigration policy in a bipartisan way, and you have two weeks to do it? Seriously? How is this possibly going to well, happen? Well, first of all, we're not going to solve – we're not going to deal with a comprehensive immigration reform bill in two weeks. Um, and, you know, so if that's what they're holding out for. That, you know, it, it, it's Our immigration laws are very complicated, um, and it's a big, big, big topic. I mean, they're talking about what's happening at the border, um, and, uh, you know, there are multiple things that we need to do. Some of the things I just outlined. Other things we need to do in the long term is kind of look at our own foreign policy you know, uh, south of our border. You know, I, I've been, you know, we, we've talked on the show before. I, I've been a big advocate for years um, uh, about the need to normalize relations between the United States and Cuba, right? I mean, um, and we began moving in that direction when President Obama uh, was, was president. And I'm happy that I was able to, to try to persuade him to go in that direction. And um, you know what happened? The Cuban people's lives improved and migration from Cuba uh, you know, all of a sudden began to go down and down and down and down because people could actually feed their families, you know, and remain in Cuba. Trump comes in, he puts Cuba on the terrorist list, he reimposes all these sanctions. Biden sadly hasn't changed that reality. And in the last like two years, like 300,000 Cubans uh, have come to the United States. There is a correlation between some of our policies uh, in Latin America and migration. Um, so, you know, climate change plays a role in all of this. You know, bad governments play a role in all of this. Human rights abuses play a role in all of this. So, you know, that, that, that's something we're going to have to, to deal with as well. But in the short term, there are things that we can do to help alleviate the burden on states, to help process people's um, immigration claims, to help get them work authorization, um, and, you know, and to, and, to, and to actually do what's right. So let, let, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. And, and look, if, if, you know, I, 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 the idea that the Republicans think it's a good idea to shut down the federal government, you know, I mean, boy, I, I got to tell you, I don't I, I haven't heard anybody say that that's a good idea. Um, you know, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, that's good for our economy or that's good for us individually. That's a that's a dangerous, reckless, stupid thing to do. Um, and so, look, I think this new speaker of the House understands one thing. And that is that, uh, you know, there's a small group of hardline right-wing Republicans who are, you know, demanding things that, uh, that are not only unreasonable, but that are cruel. And, um, but he's, his hands are tied because he's afraid that if he doesn't listen to them, he will, his, his fate will be the same as Kevin McCarthy's and he will be out. So, you know, if, if Republicans want to be the, the, the party of uh, we, we don't want any solutions and we want to shut down the federal government, have at it. It's a terrible thing to do to the people of this country. Can you tell us what would happen if there is not a spending bill passed by these two dates that are coming up so very quickly? 
Does the government shut down? Does it shut down in fits and starts? What happens? Well, I mean, they've separated kind of the budget into two tranches. So, I mean, I mean, we the first deadline is not next week, the week after January nineteenth. Yeah, right, January nineteenth. So we would, you know, I mean, those agencies that are, you know, whose funding is in that first tranche, if they don't fund them, you know, begin to tell their workers don't come to work, you know, and all of a sudden things stop, you know, small business loans stop. I mean. You know, um, all kinds of, you know, I mean, all kinds of things begin to stop um, and it will trickle down directly uh, to states and to cities and to towns. And, you know, and it will it will it will hurt our economy. I mean, maybe that's their goal. Maybe the goal is to try to maybe they're upset that the economy is beginning to get better. And we're being told that interest rates are going to be coming down uh, a, a number of times this year. Maybe maybe they're upset about that and they want to try to. You know, throw a wrench into all of this so that we don't have the recovery that everybody wants. But I mean, there's a price to pay, and it is costly to you know to um, to shut the federal government down. So so much of they talk a lot about deficit reduction and you know uh, you know uh, reducing our debt. I mean, shutting down the government in the, at the end of the day ends up adding to our deficit to our debt. So this is a this is a really this is an irresponsible thing to do. These people are not fit to govern. I mean, and I believe that they will be no longer in power after November. I really, I think people are just sick of them, um, and you know, sick of this right-wing agenda, sick of their intransigence. But you know, we have to get through this year, and uh, they can do a lot of damage. And um, but people have to be vocal in standing up to them because, uh, again, these these guys aren't interested in helping people or putting people first. They don't care about communities. They don't care about the people of this country. All they care about is you know their own ideological base. And it, it is really kind of a scary moment that we're in right now. Congressman Jim McGovern, this is Buzz. Can, can, you're in, in the House with them. Can you walk up to a member of the so-called Freedom Caucus and say, what is it you really want? Can, can you have that conversation? Yeah, I, I, I can't. You, I, I, I've asked that question many times. You know, a, couple, a few years ago, I was a, a part of a group of uh, uh, Democrats, Republicans that were meeting on, you know, on, Im- on immigration issues about trying to figure out a way forward. And I asked that very, very question after a couple of meetings where it didn't seem like we were going anywhere. I said, show me what you want. Show me what you can vote yes on. And one of my colleagues on the Republican side, I can't because I can't vote yes on anything. Mm. And I mean, and that's the problem, right? That's the problem. I mean, we they have so dumbed down our politics, you know, into they reduced everything into sound bites, you know, deport everybody, you know, that that's their solution uh, to immigration reform. That they are incapable of voting for legislation that, quite frankly, addresses the complexities of our immigration system. And you know, and it's by the way, it's not just on immigration; it's on everything. It's on everything, it, it, and it's it's even on keeping the government open. You know, we 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 we, we had a deal on numbers. Uh, in terms of what the budget should be for this fiscal year, I mean, they we it passed the House and passed the Senate and was signed by the president. It was the deal, and now they don't like the deal. They're trying to renege on it, and that's you know that's the problem. They're just not reasonable people, um, and they and they raise money off of being you know, you know, crazy. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene and those guys they raised lots of money. By saying the most outrageous things, they don't. You know, at the end of the day, you know, 
we have to figure out how we make things work. You know, my old boss and my dear friend George McGovern always used to say to me, you know, um, you don't have to agree on everything to agree on something. And the something we agree on, we ought to get done. Uh, he also said that it's not so important what you're against. What's more important is what you're for. And, you know, we have to go, we, we, you know, those words, I think, need to be heeded uh, as we approach these uh, these coming months. Um, you know, what, no, if you run for office, the goal should be to help people. We may have different ideas on how to do that, but the goal should be how do we help the people of this country? How do we advance you know, the, uh, you know, the, the interests of the people that we represent. And, you know, we have a group of people now who, who just have lost perspective on what it means to serve in the United States Congress. Congressman McGovern, before we went on the air today, we were talking about the world's various crises. And I know many of us are very concerned about the uh, situation in Gaza, uh, the war with Israel, and the potential for an expanded war in the Middle East uh, with uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, with potential involvement from Iran. I'm wondering what your thoughts are, what you could share with us about how we prevent a wider war in the Middle East. Well, I share those same concerns, and I've been calling for a ceasefire for quite some time now. I, 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 you know, I, what happened on October 7th was uh, represent, reprehensible, horrific, um, and, um, and Israel certainly has a right uh, to respond and to defend itself. But uh, we are now at a different point. Uh, and, um, and what's happening in Gaza um, is, is, is heartbreaking. Um, uh, you, you, there was an article, I think, in the New York Times the other day about uh, how you know how, how many people are on the verge of, of starvation, uh, the, the 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 medical needs, the, the 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 total you know destruction of all of Gaza and the innocent people that are kind of caught uh, in the crossfire. That I want to cease fire because I, I don't want any more killing, um, and I think that's what motivates many of us who have called for for a ceasefire. I wish the president would call for a ceasefire, and I worry. That uh, the longer we go without a ceasefire, uh, the less likely we are to get these hostages back, um, and uh, the more likely you're going to see this war expand into other areas. And, um, and 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 that's not in Israel's interest. That's not in anybody's interest. And um, you know we need we need we need to figure out a way forward. Look, Hamas is horrific. I mean, those who tell me that you know Hamas are somehow you know, are, are, are they, you know, freedom fighters or whatever. That, that, that's just wrong. Hamas is awful. They're awful. Um, and it's, unfortunately, they're the worst entity to be supposedly representing the, the Palestinian people in in Gaza. But you know what? Netanyahu needs to resign. Um, he is the worst possible leader right now in Israel um, at this at this time. He's more interested in his own uh, self-preservation than he is in doing what is right here, um, and we need to we need to get a ceasefire. We need to get humanitarian aid into the Palestinians, and we need to get back to talking about a two-state solution. Um, because at the end of the day, I think that has to be the goal, and we ought to be talking about what happens next, uh, and not the total destruction of of Gaza or you know or the or this continued 
horrific bombing um, and killing of innocent Palestinian people. Uh, so, I mean, it is, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going back next week. I'm, I'm, I've got some meetings with some people in the State Department, hopefully be able to get a hold of the Secretary of State. But, I mean, a ceasefire has to be, this is the moment that this administration needs to step up and and demand a ceasefire right now. And by, by the way, a ceasefire means, uh, you know, is on, on both sides. It means that, you know, not only Israel stops, but uh, so do so, so does Hamas. And um, but we we need that break to save lives, and we need to then figure out a way forward. Is there a role for Congress? In this, or is this simply going to be a Biden administration decision uh, going forward? Well, there, should, there could be a role for Congress, but the, the bottom line is, you know, the uh, again, this is a, another one of these areas where we have uh, a leadership in the House that is more interested in in making political points rather than in trying to solve a, a you know a, a terrible you know crisis that is unfolding right before our very eyes, um, but. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I, we're trying to, but, but by the time Congress gets around to acting on anything, and again, if Congress begins to act, it may not be something that is constructive, but by the, it will take a long time. This administration, right now, you know, uh, you know, Biden has proven that he is a an ally and a friend of Israel, and that he, you know, believes that Israel has a right to exist and that he will, you know, that Israel has a right to defend itself. He has, I think, the credibility to be able to say, enough. You know, this has to stop. As your friend, we are telling you to stop. You know, it, it's it's hard to have discussions on this, um, you know, in community meetings because people are very emotional on, on both sides. But I always, I, I always tell people that, you know, as a friend of Israel, um, it is important that we tell Israel when we think, they are doing the wrong thing. If you're my friend and you're doing something that I think is not in your interest, that will be harmful to you in the long term, and I don't say anything, well, I'm not much of a friend. Um, you know. And I think this is, this is the moment where they have to say enough that there needs to be a ceasefire. We need to stop the killing, and we need to get about the business of trying to figure out a long-term solution here that will result in a lasting peace that will result in a secure Israel, and that will result in dignity um, and uh, in, in a more hopeful future for the Palestinian people. Congressman McGovern, I would like to turn the kaleidoscope here a bit and get your w- words on the politics of all of this. All the polling, recent polling shows that President Biden has lost significant support among young people, among various really important constituencies uh, for Democrats, including uh, African Americans and Hispanic voters, and I'm, and he's not getting credit for a much improved economy. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about how uh, President Biden can turn that around and regain support among these critical groups, vital to a Democratic victory if there is to be one this election year. Yeah. Well, he he not only has to do a better job of telling the story of what he has done uh, that is good and positive. I mean, the economy is now moving in the direction that I think um, we're going to people are going to begin to feel uh, the the improvement. Um, but he also has to remind people about what's at stake. 
look, I was the last person on the House floor on January 6th, and I came face-to-face with these maniacs who tried to overthrow our government, all right? And, um, you know, I, I saw them break the glass windows on the doors to get at us as I was, we were standing in the Speaker's gallery. And, you know, our democracy, our democracy um, is uh, in jeopardy. And on and two days from now is the anniversary of January 6th. He's going to give a speech, I think, tomorrow, um, talking about what's at stake in terms of our democracy. P- people need to understand that um, this is real. This threat is real. And, um, you know, I was at an event a, a week ago, and I said that to somebody, and someone said, who, who cares about democracy? Maybe we need a, a strong man in power to do things that we all want him to do. And I, I, and I, 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 I was, it was chilling to hear somebody say that. Um, but the reality is, is that we, throughout, our, throughout world history, we have seen democracies come and go. And when they go, sometimes they don't ever come back. Um, and we are faced with a real threat by a guy who doesn't have any respect for our Constitution, who has no respect for our democracy, who is a wannabe dictator. And there's a real chance that he can win unless we all come together and say no. And so, you know, I, we, people can't afford to sit this out. People can't afford to stay sit on the sidelines. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think we can even, people can afford to vote for third-party candidates here at this point because the consequences to this country, if Donald Trump were to win, are things that we will be dealing with for our, the rest of our lifetime. They will be horrific. And I don't, you know, I don't want, I don't want to see our democracy, you know, destroyed. Uh, and I think that that is a real threat. Congressman McGovern, thank you so much for your time today and your insights. We really appreciate well, it. Well, it's good to be with you, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, happy. I know. We're, 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 we're going to – let's be hopeful. <laughs> we, we're we're going to have to think again about our, our uh, lead-in song, Our House is a Very, Very, Very Fine House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, had to play the, we had to play the Beatles' help. <laughs> anyway. We'll work on that for All next right. time. Thank you, Congressman. <laughs> You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. While we were off the air, we made a very important decision that we want to share with you, which is, in fact, for Congressman McGovern's walk-up music, the next time he is with us, we are indeed going to play the Beatles' Help. It is not a very, very fine house these days, we'd like to think. Right. Well, I think being able to have the flexibility to adjust to current events is important. Exactly. What he had to say, I I know he's an optimistic person at heart, and he always looks for solutions as opposed to complaining about what is, but he didn't sound optimistic about it any of this. You sound so frustrated. You have a good person and you put a good person in with just craziness. It's impossible to have any logical sort of reflection when you're dealing with absolute nuttiness and, and, and not only not, meanness, cruelty. He, he said it all. I can't be more articulate than he is. It's a, what should be a wonderful job, do, doing your country's bidding, is just a source of frustration for Jim McGovern. Well, I think it's also beyond frustration. I think he's also expressed uh, enormous concern and fear about what could happen in terms of war in the Middle East, about the uh, 
uh, horrifying destruction of uh, Gaza uh, and the deaths of 20,000-plus uh, innocents. Uh, I understand there's a military operation going on, but uh, this is beyond the idea of some, some people die uh, in a war who are innocent. Uh, this is just an enormous number of deaths, and the world is uniting, I think, in opposition to Israel's military uh, occupation of Gaza at this point. And Israel, I think, is doing itself an enormous disservice and, of course, the humanitarian uh, uh, horror that is Gaza at this point is just undeniable. What, uh, what to me is really chilling, it sends it into another stratosphere. I'm used to going to dinner parties or talking with friends or going to the post office, and I have the same kinds of conversations and fear, sometimes anger, sometimes frustration, sometimes real fear about the future for ourselves and our children and their than their children. But to hear a member of Congress that we're lucky to have, we're so lucky, Bill, to have access to him, and I, I'm grateful to you for giving us access to him, he expresses the exact same things that myself and my friends express to each other, and that in and of itself makes it even more chilling. We'll be right back with more Talk the Talk after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 